listening to What The Truck. Happy Good Friday, everybody, and welcome to What The Truck. As you may notice here in the backdrop, I'm coming to you live from my own apartment here in my bedroom. Mike Vincent's over there at Freight Alley. If there's any te- technical difficulties, bear with us, please. We're trying to get this all set up. How are you doing, Michael Vincent, and can you hear me? You doing there, Dooner? I'm, I'm hearing you pretty well. Coming to us through Skype, right? Yes, I'm coming to you live from my bedroom and via Skype. Yeah, nice. I got you now. <laughs> if there's any technical difficulties, blame Skype. <laughs> yeah, it's not the operators, that's for sure. Yeah, I was, you know, I was commenting earlier before we start. I think you should, uh, you know, you lay down in the bed behind you, kind of on your side there, and let's do the show Casual Friday. Let's go all out Casual Friday today for What the Truck. What do you think? Man, it's where the magic happens. That's right. Great show for you today. We'll talk to Clarissa Haas about her investigative report on TQL. Trucker Jeff Clark is going to update us on his views from the road. Kevin Hill unpacks retail for us, plus good news, bad news. And we hear from you in comment section rodeo. But first, we gotta pay the bills. This episode is brought to you by Triumph Pay. Triumph Pay is a leading carrier payment platform in transportation. With over 50,000 carriers paid, Triumph Pay helps to drive capacity, efficiency, and cash flow for brokers and shippers. Visit TriumphPay.com to learn more. Right on, Duner. Let's hit the headlines. Yeah. Wait, some breaking news. We got, uh, and by the way, in the control room, we can hear you guys on the talk back. Oh, you guys can mute that over there. Okay. For some reason, I can hear you guys talk. Never mind. All right. Anyways, we got it's right here. Uh, there's an unconfirmed report that MSC was the target of a cyber attack. In response to queries from FreightWaves, a company spokesperson replied, security is our top priority. Well, we do not rule out the possibility of malware. We have decided to close down our servers and our headquarters as a first safety measure. So cyber attacks rolling in there, Michael. Yeah, they are, yeah, they- unfortunately. There's all kinds of crazy stuff going on out there right now, right? The cyber attacks is everybody's online, et cetera. They're, you're having the attacks through Zoom, people breaking into conferences and, and that type of stuff. Uh, it, it's uh, unfortunately the nefarious activity seems to be stepping up a notch, right? Of course, man. Oh, Chris Jolly says it's the macho man, Randy Savage. <laughs> Nicholas says uh, happy Friday, fam. Han Liam says, the happy Friday, Brie Bisson, happy Friday, all Matt Beach. I'm playing Real American by Rick Den- Derringer, Ho- Hogan's entrance music. Hogan, man. Jeez. Yeah. He's trying to speak Elizabeth. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Uh, let's get to this headline. Morgan Stanley business, which was similar to the results seen two weeks ago. Uh, further, 83% of those surveyed uh, believe that the current impact is medium or high, an increase from 75% in a prior survey. So, yeah, when, look, when looking out over the uh, past 12 months, roughly 60% of respondents see the disruption having a highly negative or somewhat negative net impact. Those expecting the net impact to be highly negative over the next year increased to 19% from 13%. Shanker said the com- the comments provided in the survey have shifted from uncertainty to all-out concern. There were some positives in the report, though. Of those expecting a somewhat positive or highly positive net impact over the next year, shippers were the most positive at 30%, followed by brokers and carriers at approximately 20% each. Now, we're talking about a couple different peaks here. We're talking about the curve. So just to not confuse people, when you, there, there's a curve where we talk about flattening that for the virus, right, Michael? And that's then right. That's right. 
Then there's this freight peak that we see. And if on the cover of, if you look on the desk, the cover of this episode, you're going to see this big peak that we were talking about. I believe it was all the way last Monday. We said this freight cliff was coming. And that looks like a hell of a cliff to me, doesn't it? Oh, yeah, it is. Yeah. And, it's, and it's coming down. And we're still, there's really no real signs of it slowing, right? So it, it is definitely falling off a cliff right now. How low it goes, we don't know. That depends on how long we stay under lockdown and what consumer sentiment is, if we get another stimulus package, and how the economy ramps back up, right? Because even, uh, you know, Ravi uh, Schenker said that one data point really doesn't show a trend, but it suggests that we could be returning to normal a little bit quicker uh, than people thought before right the the sentiment of coming back out of this seems to be improving it sure does man which is good news which is really good news so uh on to uh the next headline dooner just before you get there really quick yeah. i've also heard news i'm not going to say the names of the companies because i'm still waiting on confirmation but even more news of layoffs and furloughs have been sent to me over linkedin today we we're looking to verify those but it just seems like we're going to be seeing more and more of these so hopefully you know this this uh peak turns back into an upward trajectory soon enough yeah agreed yeah, agree. you know there's there's some reports i was talking to a friend of mine at a, a rather large uh 3pl yesterday can't won't mention the name keep it keep it anonymous but they uh they uh, uh laid off 70 people this week is what he told me uh but they're looking at two to three weeks to start bringing people back on is their timeline right now yeah which yeah. is good stuff get them back to work as quickly as possible right minimize the minimize the effect the negative long-term effect but uh so u.s regulations infrastructures hold down cargo delivery by drone as reported by chris gillis drone applications have rapidly proliferated across industry across the industries but their use of package deliveries is expected to remain largely grounded by regulatory and infrastructural hurdles during the next few years according to the research report by investment strategist firm uh frost and sullivan the company forecasts that the number of deployed drones will increase from 2.44 million in 2019 to 2.91 million in 2033 but most of these drones, they are not going to be the kind you think dropping off packages. We have this image, and I think even the article used an image of dropping an Amazon box off. But the application for most drones, most of that number will be comprised of them doing dull, dangerous, dirty, and difficult jobs. Uh, and that's from Michael Blades. He's Frost and Sullivan's vice president of aerospace defense and security. He did an interview with American Shipper. Uh, since Amazon first developed drones in 2013, which had sound pretty high-tech and futuristic back then, didn't it, Michael? Yeah, it, ab- it absolutely did, Dooner. It was, it was, you, you imagined walking uh, uh, down your street and seeing, uh, uh, you know, an army of drones delivering packages to everybody's house, right? Yeah, I guess they could come in handy with all this social distancing, you know, get some of our postal carriers out of harm's way and whatnot. But there's a reason why they haven't, and it's the U.S. Federal Aviation Administration regulations for drone flight ceilings, times of operations, and visual contact by operators during flight are continuing to hold it back a little bit in the cargo sector, right? Yeah, that's exactly that's exactly right. So even in December, the FAA, FAA proposed a so-called license plate rule for drones, which could allow for operations, you know, beyond the visual sight of the controller. But that hasn't come to fruition either. And it's interesting because they stayed in there of the 2.91 million uh, uh, drones by 2033, like a hundred thousand of those they're estimating are for actual delivery. Right. The rest of it is like the different dirty work and such things that you were talking about inspection of turbines and inside cargo hulls and that type of thing. 
Yeah, I was actually I was watching this. Uh, there's this viral article that's been going around of a uh, of a day leak, and I think those are from Doctor Who. I'm, I'm confusing my sci-fi here, but either way, there's this robot going around London, being like, "Citizen, go back in your house. You are not social distancing." I don't know. <laughs> I robot type of stuff, right? Speaking of technology, evolutionary changes in it will optimize driver health. That's right. Kari White reports, well, thank you, truckers, become a social media trend and phenomenon. Thousands of truck drivers are expressing frustration over their health and financial security should they show symptoms on the road. One Michigan-based driver, Rachel Tuttle, devised a petition asking federal agencies for a health advice hotline for drivers, 100% of coverage for food and housing if a driver gets sick, and paid sick leave. As of April 9th, there's over 31,000 signatures on this thing. Bob Stanton, a Chicago-based driver who hauls general merchandise for a large carrier, said his employer's communications regarding sick employees has been nothing more than the standard center for disease control and prevention information without any coherent action plan. So they're just parroting, you know, what's on the media, things drivers already know. But it's uh, it's like slacktivism, right? It's not really telling them what to do. Yeah, it's not giving yeah, it's them not- any real insight or any real plan, right? So to keep themselves safe, the drivers had to change their daily behaviors, like keeping thermometers in the truck and using their own pen to sign different, uh, you know, paperwork, uh, utilizing apps to find out where there's parking availability that's away from some of these these uh, COVID outbreak centers and so on. The quote from Stanton stuck out uh, that he says is, "I have I, I have to have a paper bill of lading, then I show what I'm care to show." what I'm carrying. Most places I go to, they've got like a little slot they pass the paperwork through and were treated like a leper. The last place I picked up, I couldn't even come inside the building to use a bathroom. At least they placed a portable toilet out in the parking lot, which is better than some. And, you know, I guess that's really the result of those locations trying to keep their their own employees, uh, you know, uh, protected from what could be, uh, you know, spreading of the of the COVID-19. Yeah, but Stanton, he had some solutions, though, so he's not just complaining here. He's, he's saying that, like, if you use the ELD's pre-trip DVIR screen, right. drivers could answer these standard CDC questions regarding their current temperature, for example. Stanton has a point, too, when he says a driver being able to document he or she has symptoms or is symptom-free for the previous seven days might be important in travel quarantine restrictions and getting access to some customers' facilities. So if they start now... It might help in a few weeks. So he wants them to, you know, don't wait any longer. Yeah, and, and that's a great solution, and it's great that he has these these kind of uh, observations. They're not really complaints, or, or maybe he is complaining a little bit, but he af- absolutely offers a solution as well and is trying to get something done. The issue that I see with that and maybe the hurdle with that, Dooner, and, and maybe your thoughts on this is if they're answering these questions on, online, how do you verify that they're answering them correctly? I mean, we all know those employees that will power through a sickness to get things done and keep going, right? And the nature nature and the, the resiliency of our drivers and our, their workforce right now in, in logistics and, and the drivers in particular is they're keeping the country together and they're getting these, these supplies there. So uh, I imagine many of them are powering through having, you know, a normal cold, et cetera. So uh, how do you verify that these, these uh, you know, self-answered questionnaires are, are, are really accurate? Well, I got a good idea. Why don't we call a trucker up? Jeff Clark, he wrote this great op-ed for FreightWaves.com talking all about Life on the road driving during a pandemic. So let's bring him up on the horn over here. Let's do it. Yeah, I've been looking forward to talking to Jeff for a while. This is this is going to be good. Me too. We've heard from him, and now we're going to hear from Ingrid. Now we're going to hear from him. 
from high production. Martin Mayotte says from high production sheets. The house plants. Damn you, Corona! Keep up the great work, fellas. Hey, Martin, just staying safe over here. Hey, Jeff. Hey, thanks for joining us on What the Truck. This is Dooner and the Dude. We're so happy to have you and honored to have you on the show. Oh, thank you. Hey, welcome, Jeff. Thanks for everything you're doing out there. This is Vincent. Okay. Hey, Jeff, where do your travels take you today? I'm standing in my garage. Okay. <laughs> That's good. Day off for you, right? Yeah, it's my normal schedule. I, I go to work Sunday um, afternoon through Thursday afternoon and Friday, Saturday. So nice. I have a... a a regular route. Hey, so we mentioned this Kari White article, Thank a Trucker, and how it's this big social media phenomenon. A lot of people are saying it. You mentioned in your piece that it was strange to be appreciated by the public. People have called you heroic. Those medical people on the front lines are actually the heroes. You are the supply line. Uh, put a little context to that. Do you still feel strange accepting that praise? No. No, I'll take it. You know? <laughs> it's like, you know, write, you know, write me a check. I get a cash in. Um, the... Um, no, I don't feel strange taking it. I know it's temporary. Yeah, and that's a good point, Jeff. The, the temporary nature of this is: do you, do you are there things that you'd like to see that are maybe changing, or some of the ideas of of how uh, efficiencies, et cetera, with with the drivers should really stick around? Are there are there things in there that you would like to see? Uh, you know, continue, the appreciation, obviously, but other than that, some of the check in procedures, et cetera, that you think should stay in place. Um. Well, I'm I'm thoroughly enclosed um, and and efficient in what I do, but I, I do think that, um, and I've long said that drivers shouldn't be responsible for case counts. Load the truck, count yourself and seal it. Driver seal does it, it seal delivers a seal pack. You know, so many times we we see drivers' time wasted for nothing that he can solve, nothing that he's responsible and just waste my time because there's a case count that's wrong. You know, it's like, so hopefully that type of thing where we're not allowed on the dock, hey, I'm fine with that. Yeah. <laughs> just, uh, let, me, let me secure the load, make sure it's not going to move anyplace and be on my way. You give me your seal. You know, Jeff, one thing I found really interesting about your article was uh, your take on the hours of service and waivers and everything like that. How do you feel about hours of service waivers? I don't like them. Um, I realize that there are times when, like, we'll have to deliver heating oil, and then more si- more lives will be saved by drivers going over hours than lost because we're going over hours. And I get that, but I think any time that you have an exemption, it's got to be very, very narrow um, and to to that problem. And a lot of the times they do that. Gee, it got cold in New England. I'm 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 shocked. You know, <laughs> like there, there's uh there's a poor the old saying is the poor planning on your part does not constitute an emergency on my part. Mm. And, and I and I have that attitude. And uh, look, uh, if we have I had the privilege when I worked for Freight Matter of hanging in airports or or motel bars with pilots and how they view hours of service compared to how we view hours of service and hours of service are there to protect us. Um, and we, as truckers in general think, boy, if life would be great if we had more hours of service. No, you know, life, life wouldn't be great if we, if we could work more. Um, 
And and that's sort of my view of our services. They're there to protect us. They do uh, limit supply. Anytime we limit supply, it's good for price. Um, so I think the idea that that we should work more than fourteen hours in a day is, uh, you know, the good old days weren't that good. Yeah. Hey Jeff, you have a uh, and Michael, have you heard this? Jeff has a pretty great philosophy. Jeff, yeah. Can you tell us that? Jeff, you want me to tell you that? Yeah. Your Okay. Yeah. You mean that my philosophy of, of the uh, don't run into shit? Yeah, that's a good one. That's a habit of your trucker. The, well, you know, it, I, I, it, it came about several years ago. We were doing a show in Peoria, Illinois, and uh, Henry, Henry, and I had to do uh, a radio show. We couldn't. We had to distance ourselves from each other so that we could echo. And it was before the FFTSA people showed up at their desk. So I sat at their desk, and uh, we decided I should become FFTSA chief. And uh, my philosophy is don't run into shit. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and anything that you do to make it, make it more likely to run into shit, don't do that. <laughs> if I make less likely to run into shit, do that. <laughs> and, and every, everything you do is guided by that simple boss. I think you just <laughs> Cassandra Geese on the show. <laughs> <laughs> I love your philosophy, Jeff. I, I, I absolutely love it. And it also sounds like uh, you, you, it, it would be a correct statement to say that you're not, you're not, you don't have any issue with the hours of service. You think that they, you know, they, they keep you safe and et cetera. It is the, maybe the, the, uh, the, uh, view of that from the, the shippers, uh, the, the shippers and the consignees and, and respecting that you are under those hours of service and, and remaining efficient and, and dealing with you under those, uh, you know, with that type of philosophy, right? Right. I mean, there, there, there are no perfect hours of service. Right. No matter where you put them, I would rather have them someplace else. Right. Just set them and leave them. So, um, I, and I think there should be. I think the one. If I was, if I was the FMCSA chief, the one exception, one change I would make is on the weather exemption. Um, right now, we can extend our driving time, but we can't extend our day. And I think it's somewhere in the 80th. 80 percentile that uh, our service violations are 14 hours in nature, not 11 hours in nature. So that when we do have a weather exemption, I would like to see that um, stretched out to 16 hours. Yeah. And, and Jeff, you also wrote, you wrote the Federal Motor Carriers Administration is rudderless. If you go on their website, Ray Martinez is listed as the administrator. Mr. Martinez left October 13th, 2019. He has not been replaced and I'm available for position. Uh, do you have any uh, political aspirations? <laughs> if they offer me the job, you know, my first question is what to pay. Um, the... Um, um, no, I'm not going to run for anything. I, I, you know, maybe someday I'll run for something local as I'm easing into retirement here or something like that. But, you know, if, if Jack, I think, I think Jack Strongstad at, at FMCSA is actually terrific. He, he, he's very good. Um, um, and I'd like to see that. If, I don't know if he'd take it, but he's sort of the, the right hand man there, or whoever would be chief. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we get these political appointees that, uh, well, nothing against Mr. Martinez. I thought he was actually pretty good. Um, 
but uh, somebody's got to be in charge. Yeah, and, I, I uh, was I was just hoping to be running around wearing a T-shirt that said "Vote for Jeff, don't run into shit." Yeah, that, that would be a good one. We're gonna <laughs> Skype is gonna get so. Are you, yeah. are you allowed to swear on Skype? Uh, we <laughs> I don't know if we had to do that disclaimer too. Uh, <laughs> I, I, was, I, was, I thought it was really funny the article because um, I wrote it originally for Smirconish, Skype for Smirconish. And he'll see. will say the, the yes word uh, uh, on the radio occasionally, uh, not too often. And I thought it was interesting in the article that they edited it once, and uh, I used it three times. I think they edited it once, and the other two came through. <laughs> so I thought that Uh-oh. kind of funny. But, hey, Jeff. Uh, Jeff, before we let you go, uh, we were talking about trucker health. We were talking about technology and all of those things right before we brought you up. So what for you, what is the scariest thing about all this, and, and how's the treatment at shipper receiver docks and that kind of thing? Well, my, 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 the treatment's been pretty good. And, and as I say, I'm enclosed. I'm, I'm lucky. I work with the, the paper transport. It's a good company. Um, I work with a great northern um, box company, a, a great account. Uh, and and they're, they're good people. I think, and, and as you, I don't know if you know, I started the Facebook group Truck and Runners um, probably a little over 10 years ago now. Um, and uh, I encourage truckers to take care of themselves. They're not going to take, nobody else is going to take care of The bottom line is nobody else cares. Um, we have to. Um, for drivers, um, I've, I finished 11 marathons over the last 10 years. Um, I'm, I'm not a very good runner. <laughs> Matter of fact, I'm pretty slow. Uh, I'm 61 years old. You know, 61-year-old truck driver gave me a break. I'm going 26 miles. It's going to be slow. Uh, the, uh, but the truck and runners thing, it, it, it encourages uh, drivers to help themselves. I mean, look, it, it, it's really hard for anybody to stay in some sort of shape. You look at the obesity, obesity in this country, and um, it's tough. It's tougher for people in the trucking industry, not just drivers. This is a 24-7 industry. It, 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 it's hard to... Um, take care of yourself. Yeah, and, uh, but it's but it's worth it. And and my fear, and, and we're seeing it a lot. I mean, we're seeing it from this virus is that it's taking it's taking the weak and uh, and the vulnerable. And our lifestyles, our our uh, type two diabetes epidemic in this industry, uh, is horrible. Uh, this this job is, is tough. It's a tough job, yeah. and it it, it it kills people, literally. And the, the the idea that somehow we're not vulnerable, we are. And part of the reason we're so vulnerable is because we we don't take care of ourselves. And uh, that's sort of been my <laughs> that's what got me that's what got me to speak out in the first place. You know, fifteen years ago, however long it was. Is, is to be an advocate for driver's health. Um, and uh, that, that, that Facebook group is, is my uh, pet. <laughs> uh, and I'm so grateful for the people. We, we have almost 1,000 members. And, and it's, it's really cool because uh, if, if you go and say, a truck stop in somewhere in Wisconsin, Somebody else will know a place near there that you can run or walk. And, and I encourage, I, I actually encourage drivers to walk a lot. Uh, 
you know, walk a half an hour a day. And it, it's, it's, it's the miracle drug. Um, yeah. Get those steps in, right, Jeff? Hank yeah, Parsons, Jeff, Jeff Hank Parsons says thanks for your service. Yeah, everyone, I, I highly recommend you go and read Jeff's article on FreightWaves.com. Jeff, thank you so much for your time today, and good luck in that marathon, which may be a virtual marathon too. I, we don't have time to get into you know, that. It, one. It, 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 it canceled. We're going to do a virtual marathon, and, and at this point, it's like I'm doing more bicycle riding, and I think I'm going to do the day of uh, part walk, part run, 13.1 miles, just uh, out of spite. <laughs> Good stuff. And I have, you know, be a, you know, I have spite. So. Nice. Thank um, you very much, Jeff. We appreciate it. Thank you. Take care. Right. Yeah. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you, Jeff. Wow, great stuff. Uh, Michael Vincent, you run a lot of virtual marathons? I, all the time, man. <laughs> my, mind, right? my mind is racing. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not sure how that works. I mean, I've never run a real uh, marathon, some, some, you know, halves and 5Ks and that type of stuff, but never, never a virtual marathon. I'm not sure exactly how that would work. There's someone in our LinkedIn comments named Dooner Livingstone. <laughs> he says, what the F, Chuck? I don't even know what that means. <laughs> I don't know if that's really his first name. I have no idea. <laughs> Dooner Livingstone. Nice. <laughs> you know what? Jim Blaze showed up in here, too. Jim Blaze, a railroad teacher. He's a contributor to Freight Waves. He said, good yeah. to remember that the first person to be injured or worse when safety minimums are relaxed is the truck driver for what? For her, his or her shipping for a customer? This is not an equitable business deal, is it? No. No. I have to agree with him. Speaking of equitable business deals, some people have had some issues with some layoffs and some uh, some firings and some non-compete enforcement by TQL. Clarissa Hawes did a deep dive on this story. Let's dial her up and find out what she learned when she was researching this story, getting information, talking to employees, and getting filled in on all those layoffs. Hey, Clarissa Haas. How are you? Thanks for joining Dooner and the Dude on What the Truck. How you doing, Clarissa? I'm doing okay. Thanks for having me today. Absolutely. Hey, Clarissa, so give us a little background. You decided to research TQL. Why did you, why'd you write this article? What led you to look into all this? It originally started with um, their data breach. And, um, and, you know, in doing investigating how that happened and then kind of following up with some lawsuits that had been filed over the data breach. And then once those stories published, that's when I started hearing from, um, from people that were, that worked there, that were inside TQL or that were former employees of TQL. And that's what really kind of spurred the whole investigation. Right. And what did you learn when you started doing this and when you started talking to employees? A lot of them described, you know, that, and, and a lot of it was, you know, amid, you know, the coronavirus and, you know, state and federal officials wanting people to work remotely that, um, you know, they were being told not that they couldn't, that they were while the company was saying that they were, um, that the net, their network wasn't able to handle it, you know, that they kind of have an antiquated network that couldn't hold, um, that it kept crashing. And so people weren't being able to really effectively do their job. So they were being required to be in the office. And then they kind of spiraled from there into their tales of kind of what was going on as the mass layoffs or mass firing started. 
Yeah. Uh, Michael, uh, are any of them planning on fighting these non-competes or are they simply ignoring them? Um, you know, and, and I've seen some of the comments saying that these are, you know, these non-competes are kind of just, they're just like a bluff, you know, that they don't enforce them. But in, in, in talking to attorneys and in looking through court documents, they do go after them. And there is fear among, you know, brokers that they will come from for them. And so they they are terrified of the, the massive legal team that TQL has that will go after them. And that, you know, they, you know, that it's no expense fair to kind of put these, bankrupt these people or to put logistics companies, competitors out of business. So that's kind of what I, what kind of even more, so and more has even coming out since, since yesterday. So it's kind of been a, a whirlwind of finding out even more of what's going on. So. Yeah. So Clarissa, did it, does it appear that there's going to be more layoffs coming? Did you get that sense? Um, I did hear that they are, they have, they are starting another round of recruiting for, you know, or, you know, low level entry position. Mm. Uh, and so, but that is, um, April 20th, there'll be a new class, you know, of new recruits that will, be starting with TQL, but I've also heard that some of the higher earners may be let go. The higher earners are? Why would why would that be? I don't. That's something that I that even you know some of my sources don't understand. You're making too much money. Get out of here. I know. <laughs> yeah. making, You're making me you look know, bad. Which I don't understand. So, you know, I still, you know, I'm still just like kind of getting more emails and trying to figure out um, where to go next, you know, on this story because it just keeps, there's a lot of twists and turns. How did, uh, so these employees you talked to and, and, um, from what I've heard, a lot of them, you know, you mentioned some of the higher payer, higher paid ones are starting to get scared, which can't be doing anything for morale. But for the, the younger ones, these college kids who come in and, and I've been in the industry for a long time and I've seen it. There's a lot of, like you go to conferences, especially in sales. That's kind of the nature of the business. There's a lot of brokers, college kids who come in, they give them a business card. They last six months, they wash out. But the problem is that TQL seems to really, really stringently enforce these non-competes, which can keep people out of industry for a year or more. It makes you, uh, in a lot of different communities, a lot of different cities, it makes you almost unhirable. Um, I ran into a situation like this once where over a 12-hour difference in expiration of my non-compete, the company forwarded it to my new company. It made things completely awkward, so I had to leave the job after a couple weeks. But uh, how do the employees feel, especially losing their jobs in a pandemic like this? Yes, and losing their health insurance. Um, So on top of them not having a job um, and not being able to work in their field. They don't have health insurance. If they, you know, had any tuition reimbursement, you know, they had a program there, but, you know, so where they could, you know, do some continuing education type classes. So if, so some didn't get a paycheck, you know, after it was because they had taken out, you know, that if they owed the company any money, you know, for things, even though it was out of their control, you know, they, they, they didn't leave on their own, um, that they are, they were still on the hook for 
for that money. Yeah, and then you know, looking it's, looking forward to you know a, a a rebound, we bounce back from this and start moving forward. They still can't go back to work, right? And and um, even some that have even talked to logistics companies, you know, say, hey, you know, we're not going to touch you. You know, even if it's in a totally different role or consulting role, they're not selling anything. If they want to even answer the phone, you know. The, you know, they just for a year, you know, to have a paycheck that's yeah. there. Yeah, it, go, it goes way past the non-solicitation aspect of the of this non-compete, right? It's not even stealing business. It's even back office type of type of work that they can't go do. Right. Ugh. Terrible. Right. Clarissa, uh, I look forward to do your your future follow-up on this story, and I'm glad you are pulling the curtain back on this stuff. I remember when I first started at Freightways, we got to collaborate on that that Falcon story, and it, it seems yes. like we're always brought together in the worst the worst of times, but um, you do amazing work. Oh, thank you so much. Thanks, thank Clarissa. You. Thanks, Clarissa. Okay. Have a great weekend. Okay. That's awful you- stuff, Dooner. It is. And you mentioned yesterday on that coronavirus freight market special that why don't you want these brokers who don't know what they're doing gone, right? Go poison the well. Go let them be somebody else's problem. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Back in my early days running a terminal back in the in the late 90s or, or late 80s, early 90s at, at an LTL carrier, you know, I would go to collections and it, it, it call the customer and say, hey, listen, I'm going to the courthouse to file. Shall I stop by and get a check? And they would say something like, you know, you're not going to file for 50 bucks watch me well i'll just use somebody else please do it's kind of one of those those type of things if the, if the employee who is a broker selling broker is it, you know you're getting rid of them why do you care if they go and try and compete somewhere else they obviously weren't good enough to to sell for you no they weren't uh is uh kevin hill there can we bring him up i know you want to talk a little bit about the supply chain i am nice I'm kevin here. Some of the comments, go and make it. He writes, uh, looking at the DH in Ohio, Pennsylvania, six miles for 300 bucks. That's brutal. Sounds good. No, it doesn't. I, I, I couldn't hear you. Sorry. We were having a little, a little audio, a lot, a little audio difficulty, Dooner. That's all. Okay, uh, help Kevin out here a little bit. Then come through us. Can't hear. I can't. I can't hear Dooner. Yeah, so we're, we're going to talk to Kevin about retail supply chain trends. Can yeah. you bring it up to him? Yes. He's got it. You got the I, I retail got supply chain trends. So the strategies implementing the comment, uh, Amazon effect, et cetera, the white paper. Yeah, so it's a white paper that we have out now on FreightWaves. You can get to it from FreightWaves.com. Go into the white paper section, and it's uh, in partnership with Redwood, and it's all about the retail supply chain and trends going into 2020. And while our existing trends do still hold up, they are being uh, they're being very much affected by COVID-19, as you would I would think. And those five trends are Amazon e-commerce and the one-day delivery effect which uh, the, the one-day delivery is really no more for most everything. Uh, the, the big retailers are, are getting bigger. So the top six, seven big box retailers out there own about 17.5% of the market share, and they are growing. Uh, the American consumer has been the backbone of economic growth over the last 12, 18, 24 months, and will that continue? Uh, trade war 
trade war, moving supply chains out of China to other parts of Southeast Asia, uh, other places in the Western Hemisphere, and the good old US of A. And also virtual automation, robotics, remote working, you could throw in there as well. So those are the big five trends that we identified. And we have a great uh, you know, 12 question survey that we went out and asked 75 retail executives uh, about. And you can find that again on FreightWaves.com. So what do, what do we find out looking at the, the, the different surveys as, as far as, like you're saying, the, the trade wars and, and, and so on, right? So one, because one of the things in supply chain is that you, you don't want all your eggs in one basket, right? And did, did not the, and I've had this discussion with other people, uh, here as well, like with, with, uh, Zach Strickland, Anthony, uh, Smith, et cetera, is, um, you know, with, with China, when China shut down with the coronavirus, uh, and, and we didn't have that, that, that input or that manufacturing happening. Didn't kind of the trade wars almost give you a little bit of an inoculation pre-corona because it forced people to really start to look for other sources? It did, you know, so it wasn't a total shock uh, whenever the coronavirus came out and, and people wanting to, to switch, uh, switch and resource their supply chain. They've been doing it for the last 12 months pretty aggressively. Uh, the only problem with that, and the big issue is you want to move your supply chain or your manufacturing out of China. It's still the big 800-pound gorilla in the room. So so you can, you can move it to Vietnam, you can move it to Singapore, other places in Southeast Asia, uh, but those exports or exports to the U.S. right now are a fraction of what China is. So all roads kind of lead back through China, whether it's a component part or uh, or other raw materials or finished products. Uh, you know, and even if you do steer your entire supply chain out of China, you still have the knock-on effects that that we're kind of seeing right now with COVID-19. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, the, the Amazon effect. We've been talking about this for a couple of couple few years, right? And and obviously doing this survey, it'll be interesting to see uh, the COVID nineteen effect on the supply chain. Is there we doing that type of research? You think? Yeah, so so one-day delivery, this rush to one-day delivery has kind of gotten frozen right now, and it's just getting deliveries, right? You don't really see the one-day uh, deliveries from Amazon Prime, uh, except for maybe essentials. Uh, but even that, I think, you know, I, I ordered something off um, Amazon Prime a few days ago. It was a three-day delivery. There, there's no more one-day deliveries. Three days was good, and that's what you're going to see right now as um, – is basically warehousing. There's social distancing everywhere, right? From the pickers and pullers, from the warehouse workers to to the drivers as well. So it just slows down that process. So that mad rush for one-day delivery or two-day delivery even uh, with other e-commerce giants, uh, it's kind of taking a back seat. But the e-commerce uh, trend is supercharged right now as, as people would rather buy online than go into stores. And a lot of the, the brick-and-mortar retailers are closed down right now. Yeah, right. You think that trend will stick? I, I think the e-commerce uh, trend will stick. I, it was a huge trend before this. Yeah. And it's just going to accelerate. A lot, a lot of the trends existed Certainly they existed, but they've been put in a place where all these trends are accelerating right now because they're adjusting, uh, everyone's adjusting their supply chain, uh, especially in the retail sector, to the effect, the knock-on effects of COVID-19. 
Yeah, that's kind of been my thought process, and it's interesting to hear your take on that and, and what the surveys show is is that, you know, this – uh, what is going on right now with COVID and its and its effect on the supply chain and delivery and, and getting goods moved around, you know, internationally, the entire globe, that it will accelerate those initiatives that had already started to help with collaboration and visibility, transparency, and better efficiency. And hopefully, uh, you know, we talk about the fact that, you know, you can't have, uh, you can't always plan for the what ifs, especially something like this, but there can be some type of measures built into the supply chain and some technology advancements, et cetera, to be able to ramp up quickly for something like this, right? Uh, you're exactly right. Especially supply chains, uh, the, the rules and, and the structure of everyone's supply chain is, is getting rearranged, kind of like puzzles, uh, puzzle pieces, right? Everyone's trying to, to put that back together right now. And there's a lot of innovation going on because of that. You know, unfortunately, it took a pandemic to, to get people accelerating some of these trends. And part of that is the virtual supply chain. You're going from a physical supply chain where uh, we're, we're where physical goods are moved by physical people, and they still are, but you have to, to really uh, pivot, if you haven't already, into a virtual supply chain. And some of that's uh, you know, as simple as video conferencing to certainly having a better understanding of, of tracking and tracing and visibility and being able to, 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 to control those physical goods very remotely now. Great stuff, Kevin. Where can people go and find that? Uh, they can go to freightwaves.com, and basically under the white paper section uh, in resources, you can go and download that white paper, and it's uh, from Freightwaves and Redwood. Good. Thank you for your time. Thank, Thank you, you Kevin. All right, man. Now it's time to get some, some good news, some bad news, right? Right on. Let's do it, Dooner. Here's some. Last week, the Federal Highway Administration began to temporarily allow food trucks to operate at rest stops, right? That sounded great. It sounded like an, like an awesome innovation. It was going to help these independent food truck drivers. It was going to give the truckers a place to eat without having to worry, go through the drive throughs all those things, right? Sounds like a great idea, doesn't it? I loved it. I thought it was a great idea. Well, here's the problem. Bad news. Truck stop operators, restaurants, convenience stores, gas stations have cautioned federal regulators about their decision to ease these restrictions that allow food trucks to operate at rest areas. Get this. They wrote, we hope the FHWA's non-enforcement directive does not result in food service transactions being redirected to food trucks from nearby rest area vending machines. <laughs> yeah, like, think about the vending machines. Yeah, what? yeah. Get about the vending machines. You probably got my Snickers stuck in there still vending. <laughs> I was just thinking the same thing. <laughs> I know. Throw a brick through that vending machine. No, don't. <laughs> throw bricks through them. I think that's ridiculous, though. Let the food trucks operate in there. The food trucks are just like any other restaurant. They need to make money, too. This is a great compromise. I, I think I, so. I, I think so. And it sounds to me a lot like uh, Jeff's, uh, Jeff Clark's, uh, you know, his thoughts on the, on the hours of service, right? It, it, this is a temporary thing. Maybe it, it goes back later. But, you know, they're complaining. It's almost like putting tariffs on something, right? Well, if you don't want them to put the trucks there and let this happen, Provide a better service so it doesn't need to happen. Yeah. Right? With you. So let's move on here. Bad news. The World Trade Organization expects global trade to decrease anywhere between 13% and 32%. With the widespread, uh, with the widespread due to the uncertainty behind the economic impact of the ongoing COVID-19 health uh, crisis. To put the numbers in perspective, the largest drop during uh, the 2009 financial crisis was 12.5%, Dooner. Mm. 
But the good news is the World Trade Organization has an optimistic undertone pointing out that this depression is different from the previous one and the Great Depressions of the 1930s, as the economy was in good shape before the sudden collapse triggered by this pandemic. So the pandemic cut the fuel line to the engine, so to speak, said uh, WTO Director General Roberto uh, how do you pronounce this? Asvedo? If that the fuel li- right. was it, is, was that close enough, Dooner? You think? I'll give it to you. <laughs> All right, thanks, bro. If the fuel line is reconnected properly, a rapid and vigorous rebound is possible. So, and I think that's the trick, right? That we're all talking about and trying to figure out is how do you properly reconnect that fuel line so that it is a good solid rebound. Jamin says, what is the difference between a food truck and a stationary kitchen? I think much is the perception piece. I remember when this big argument happened in Boston, and a lot of it came down to the restaurants felt like they were paying rent, they were paying different taxes to the city, and it was an uneven playing field. So I, that, I, that I think is the argument there, although I think during this pandemic, concessions should be made, right? Good news. The automakers said they could break even with U.S. sales as low as $10 million to $12 million. But now there's some bad news, and we even got it right here in Chattanooga. I know that VW furloughed some lawyers. They tried to, I mean, lawyers. They furloughed some uh, some. <laughs> that <employees>. is good news. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, Kristen Dzikzik, she's the vice president. Yeah, we're getting all the tough names here. You, you did well on that one. I'll give you that one. She's the vice president of research at Automotive Research. Um, these estimates depend on continued operations, which they don't have. It's the stop and restart that is going to suck capital. And if we do it more than once, it's going to be terrible. So she's talking about if they reopen up, then there's another outbreak. That could be a huge problem. Yeah, the cost of start, uh, start, stop, restart, et cetera. That's, uh, that's very interesting. So. Uh, bad news in a survey run by, uh, the Wall Street Journal to understand the impact of COVID-19 on the economy. Business and academic, uh, economists expect the unemployment rate to hit 13% in June and keep steady at 10%, uh, by December. Economists predict the GDP to contract by a massive 25% in the second quarter, an extreme reverse in stance from the Mer- uh, March survey where the expectation was a mere 0.1% shrinkage between April and June. Uh, the good news, though, is 85% of the economists believe the economic recovery will start in the second half of the year. And that's what I've been reading as well, is that uh, really the, the Q3 rebound. Yeah, I mean, we can only, we can only hope so. But right. you know what? This next one, this good news, bad news, actually sort of begs the question is, will, will it? And will it for retail? So here's the good news. Sony has unveiled this new PS5 controller called the DualSense, right? A lot of people excited about the, the PS5 and the Xbox Series X coming out. According to CNN, this thing's great. The new DualSense wireless controller has more immersive 3D audio, improved tactile sensations. It's got that haptic feedback you and your kids love, such as the rumbling and the shaking, so users can feel like they're more uh, immersed in the game. But here's the bad news, right? The PS5 and the Xbox Series X, which were slated for holiday releases, may now be delayed until 2021, according to analysts. And why I say this is interesting is because now we got to think about all the different seasonal and holiday products that may be screwed up by this thing because of all these supply chain disruptions. I'm sure Xbox and Sony and Microsoft and Sony were uh, banking on making some money with these things. Yeah, it's it's kind of that uh, hangover effect from all of this as you try and come back online as everything gets skewed, right? Everything yeah. gets skewed off. I mean, we're looking at uh, what was uh, talking the other day about college football season not happening till spring of next year. <laughs> wow, which would be uh, 
That'd be very, very strange. But more bad news. Alex Jones, Jim Baker, and others have been marketing and selling supplements on their websites and via their media as coronavirus treatments, Dooner. More people trying to scam uh, and make money off of this. The good, what's that, Dooner? People have died already, not necessarily from them, but those that couple that took the fish tank cleaner thinking it was the hydrochloa or whatever it is. Yeah, the, the, the quinine. They were trying to get the yeah. quinine out of it. Yeah, it's, it's, it's sad. But the good news here, Dooner, is the FDA has sent a letter to uh, InfoWars as well as other scammers warning them of legal and financial penalties, which they should. According yeah. to the Daily Beast, despite Jones' on-air claims to the contrary, language on InfoWars' online marketplace explicitly states that its uh, colloidal silver products are not desi- uh, designed to treat the virus. The products on this site are not intended for use in the cure, treatment, prevention, Prevention or mitigation of any disease, including the novel coronavirus. The website warns any suggestion to the contrary is false and is expressly disavowed. So, what are they marketing it for? Uh, for? I, why is the why does the law allow you to go on media and stuff and tell people this will work, and then you just have to put in small print on the website that th- this isn't approved by the FDA and it doesn't work? Like what? This, this, know what's so dangerous about this, too, is that people will engage in riskier things, riskier behaviors, because they think that they can cure themselves with this stuff and they can put them in exposure. They can expose other people. It's awful. Yeah, yeah, you're exactly right. They read these things and they don't see at the bottom where it says all claims that you've recently just read are co- could be completely false. We actually don't know if this does anything, but you take it anyways or, or people take it anyways in hopes that maybe it helps prevent in some way. Kyle Taylor says, what a shirt. Of course, dude, bananas and bandanas. I got it all for you. And this is a tribute to our great sales team. Most of you guys are working from home, too, working remote. I think all of the sales guys on our side are. And uh, there's a tradition at Freightways where a lot of these guys like to wear the fun shirts. So I'm um, just uh, team sales today. I'm calling, I'm calling it your banana dana, uh, your banana dandana uh, outfit. I need a bandana that matches the, a banana that matches the bandana. A banana dana. All right, guys, now it's time we hear back from you. <laughs> it is a uh, comment section rodeo. Yeah. Comment section rodeo. Yeehaw. And these are, uh, these are all from that article, Bully on the Block. And uh, this got quite the reaction from people. Everybody had an opinion on this one. And this is from former carrier to TQL. He says, chickens have come home to roost. That's all I got to say. <laughs> nice. Robert Ray, LOL. I'm a small carrier and TQL is the worst. I canceled my contract with TQL last year. TQL is the worst and was a last resort. I would like to hear TQL going out of business as what comes around goes around. Karma, Dooner. All wow. the bad reviews on DAT by unhappy carriers say it all. Don't just say you will never use TQL again. Contact TQLCarrierRelations.com and put it in an email stating that you are canceling your contract with TQL as of the date you send the email. TQL equals cheap freight and bad business practice. Wow, man. And, and, you know, that's not an exclusive comment. I mean, there were a lot of comments here. There are very few defenders of TQL. Let's see what Harry has to say. He says that, Oaks is the richest person in Cincinnati, and he can't do like other owners of transportation or logistics companies and give up their salary for a while to keep people. What, he can't afford it? 
strict non-competes and the way he goes after people for what he deems as breaches and non-competes are indicative of bully owners who don't care what people who work for him have to go through. I've seen this kind of bullying behavior before, and let me tell you, he'll continue to cycle through the workforce as long as he can. Fire anyone who doesn't agree with him because he can just hire a fresh set of suckers to work for him. Run as far as you can from anybody who gives you a non-compete. As far as being voted the best place to work through anonymous third-party surveys, why do you think they had to use anonymous third-party surveys? <laughs> very nice, very nice. <laughs> Megan says many brokers fire uh, many brokerages fired brokers during this pandemic. TQL was not the only one. If you think you found a brokerage company that bashed because their legal counsel scares them, then you don't know anything about brokerage companies. They all have legal counsels that will chase you for years, even if you no longer work for them. So much so that you owe that that you are now in therapy. This sucks. But it is not a story. Mm. See, another counterpoint. A brokerage much better than TQL. He has to say, you sound like a TQL employee. This doesn't happen at my company of 200 plus employees. They write the story on TQL because TQL is the worst. A good employee takes the hit because it is the right thing to do. The TQL employee could have taken the fall and barely felt instead the blow, but he lets everyone else really feel it. <laughs> David uh, Tildern, TQL has relied more on bullying both employees and carriers over the years to succeed and less on technology uh, advancement. Just compare TQL to CHR. TQL is light years behind, and the new entrants like Convoy, Uber Freight, and others are f- much further ahead, too, and taking TQL's customers with better rates and better technology. Mm. Wow. And this is from Doc. He says he's in the grocery business. He goes, Mom in the grocery business. You can understand how busy we are. Thanks to carriers and owner-ups who have stepped up to the plate and put in the extra effort to help out, we'll remember who our friends are. Then there are the brokers and carriers who look at this as an opportunity to screw us over. Increase fuel surcharges when the fuel is cheap. Weekend delivery surcharges. Inflated rates. We'll remember you, too. And that includes those who treat their employees like crap. Your time of reckoning will come. Dooner, you sounded Dooner, like you needed to run a virtual marathon there, brother. How do you do that on a treadmill? I, I don't know. I, I guess so. Maybe you do you put a GoPro on your head and just run it yourself and everybody just live streams to one site and you can watch it? Uh, do you remember like Nintendo? They used to have the power pad. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> you yeah. can play a field with it and your little 8-bit guy would jump over hurdles. <laughs> yeah. Run a marathon, do a decathlon or whatever. Yeah. Uh, Gorick Millick says they stole the idea from Contagion movie. I'm not sure exactly what he's referring to. Maybe I, my sh- <laughs> I, Maybe, yeah, maybe it's your outfit. Hey, check out Freightways Radio this weekend on Sirius XM Road Dog Trucking. That's uh, channel right on, 146. Right. Phone lines will be open on show, talking to drivers, talking to you. Those of you who have to be out there driving. Sounds like a uh, it's going to be a good time. Very insightful. We'll get through all the information on that. Dude, what's up with you? You doing anything fun this weekend? This week, I'm going to finish what is now called Swing Hinge. I'm building an octagonal swing around my fire pit. So that's what I'll be doing this weekend. Ah, speaking of building, my uh, that Castle Grayskull, the Mega Bloks one, came in. My my kids have been hammering away on it. My five year old was like, she's like, it's going to take ten hours to make. I'm not sure where he even came out with the number from. But Mega Bloks, they don't fit together as well as Legos, and it's taking quite a while. This thing is going to take like weeks or months for him to finish. Yeah, yeah. 
Hey, nice job working remote today there, Dooner. Yeah, did everything – so people in the feed, too, um, I, I am remote, so if there are any hiccups – uh, sorry, I'm recording this track, too. So if you want to go back and listen to it, I'm going to give this to the production team. They'll put it in in post-production, and you guys will get to hear a uh, a smoothly recorded one, right? Yeah, a couple snafus there, but I think we managed it fairly well. Regarding, Oh, he, uh, Goran Milik, was, he said, regarding guys that lied about the COVID-19 virus cure, uh, can our production team start playing that music so I can start banging this cowbell and giving some dedication? Yeah. Love to hear that sound. I could do it myself. You can find me at Timothy Dooner on Twitter, Vincent the Dude. Hook up with us on LinkedIn and continue that conversation. Little cowbell for everyone who bared with us through the technical difficulties. Little cowbell for everyone who's going to be uh, staying safe and healthy this weekend. Skype soon with your family. Have a soon. Take care of yourselves. Take care of your people. Thank you for joining us on the show that we call What the Truck. Little cowbell for Jeff Clark. Little cowbell for a friend like me. Cowbell for the first day of spring. And a little cowbell for each and every one of you.